Good to see everyone. If you have a bulletin, I want to encourage you to get out your notes. Uh, as usual, uh, there's some blanks to fill in. Always encourage you uh, to do that. As we're taking up a dollar offering today for coats for local schools, which is very important, Charlene Eastman also said they collect coats for the homeless around the St. Louis area. She's a part of a ministry there. And so if you have an extra coat that you're not using, if it's slightly worn, as long as it's in good shape, uh, if you want to donate that, we will get that down and, and put that into uh, operation pretty quick. And so, and she even says hoodies are great. And so anyway, homeless folks enjoy hoodies. If you have anything like that, please bring them and we'll get them to her and she'll take them right away. So I, I just want to say on behalf of Brenda and myself, we appreciate all the encouragement. I know uh, the month of October, typically, I don't know who named it as Pastor Appreciation Month, but you guys appreciate me year-round. I really, I mean, I just, I can't say enough about the encouragement, and so I just really appreciate my church family. I enjoy serving alongside with our staff, and we just have an amazing staff. I appreciate Raymond Laramore. Raymond's been in ministry probably 55 years or so. Love that guy. He does pastoral care here, but it's just an honor to serve alongside of all of our staff. So we just appreciate everybody and all the encouragement. It really does mean a lot. So we're glad that you're here today. So this Wednesday, as you note in your bulletin, Norm Howe is going to be here and his wife Karen. And so part of it's going to start in here at 6.30 and we're going to actually live stream maybe 45 minutes. And so if you can't be here, you can at least go online and get to know them just a little bit. And so there are a couple that we're considering bringing on staff. And so we're excited about that possibility and they're praying about it as well. And then they'll be here on the second Sunday in November to share. And on that Sunday, our church family will vote. And so again, we appreciate them. They've just been in the trenches a long time and just so much wisdom. And so it's exciting for me to think about working alongside of them if God works all those details out. So please be in prayer. If you can be here Wednesday night, 6.30, we're going to start in here and then we're going to go back to the fellowship hall for some Q&A. So glad you're here today. We're going to continue our series on the advantage of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, it's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. As we've said about every week, God had a greater plan than walking side by side with us. God's ultimate plan, because Jesus died and made it possible, his ultimate plan was to come and live inside of these earth suits. Really is crazy to think that the God of this universe loves us so much that he wants to come and take up residence inside of these earth suits. So Barna did a survey, and we shared this, I think, on week one, but uh, they surveyed over 1,800 people who claimed to be Christians, and they found that 25% of the people strongly believe that the Holy Spirit is God. Isn't that crazy? Only 25% of people who claim they're Christians believe the Holy Spirit is God. 58% uh, believe the Holy Spirit is only a symbol, not even a person. So why do we study the Holy Spirit? As I grew up in church, again, I have a pretty good concept of God the Father. I have a pretty good concept of the Son. But I, the, the God, the Holy Spirit, for some reason, I don't remember a lot being taught, even though, again, I slept through a lot of things. I missed a lot of things, which is my fault. 
But studying the Holy Spirit has really been such an incredible journey for me personally. And the more that I study, it's like any subject in the Bible, the more you study, the more you realize there is to know about that subject. And so as we've talked about, Ty here just kind of represents all of us because all of us were separated from God because of sin. But hopefully, if you're here this morning as a believer, you realize that Jesus took care of the sin problem when he died on the cross. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, that we could be saved. And so as Ty invites Christ into his life, invites God into his life, and again, we often say invite him into your heart, but what we're saying is invite him into the innermost part of our life, which I believe more accurately is our spirit. So God comes to live in our spirit. The Bible says his spirit and our spirit are one spirit. Really is amazing to think that God of this universe comes down to live inside of us and literally becomes one with our spirit. Really is amazing. Now you may say, well, if God has come to live inside of us, is there a possibility we could corrupt God? Because our life is a work in progress. Our life has some issues. But I want to give you some good news. We cannot corrupt the Holy Spirit. All right? I believe God has sealed us. And I even know, no matter how we see that, I think God has sealed us where we're not going to corrupt God at all. And so I love where he says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit a promise. So I think our flesh can never penetrate into the spirit realm. We're never going to corrupt God, but I believe we have the option to choose to allow his spirit to flow through us. So I believe literally we can ask God to fill us, ask God to flow through us, and so we're not going to corrupt him, but I believe it's his will to flow through every one of his children. A verse we looked at early on many times is out of John chapter 7, when Jesus stood up on the last day, the great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, as they were praising God for the water, for the harvest, he stood up and he cried out, and there had to be tens of thousands of Jews there in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, and he cried out, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the Spirit. So I just want to say it is God's will for every one of his children to be spirit-filled and to have his spirit flowing through all that we say and do. And so we need, again, to tap in to that unlimited possibility. Last week, we talked about the importance of a mirror. And again, as James compares the physical mirror to the Bible, he says a physical mirror reveals our earth suit. How many of you looked into a mirror today? All right, we all spend some mirror time. How many of you are glad that we looked in a mirror? All right, it's always good to have some mirror time. We appreciate that. And so when the mirror tells you you have some things going on, you, you listen to the mirror, and James says in the same way as a mirror reflects who we are physically, the Bible, the Word of God, reveals who we are spiritually. I want you to know as you study the Bible, as you look into the Word of God, God is trying to reveal how He sees you in the spirit realm. Now, whether you feel it or not, it's true. And so again, we need the physical mirror to help us in our earth suit, but we need the Bible to always reflect how God sees us in the spirit realm. Very, very important. So last week, I used the example of my grandson, all right, Rhett. And so shamelessly, I'm sticking it in one more week, all right, just kind of putting it in there. Not sure it fits, but I just crammed it in there. Because as every grandparent knows, and I've heard a lot about grandparents, I've heard about grandparenting for a long time. 
But you guys didn't do it justice. I mean, it's better. It's, it's better. And this is one of my favorite pictures of Rhett when he fell asleep on my shoulder. As I mentioned last week, I mean, how can you express what that means to have that grandchild asleep on your shoulder? I mean, there's no way to really explain how much I love this guy. There's no way that he could really comprehend how much I love him. Even though he's not contributing to the family finances, he's not helping with chores. He's really a lot of work, a lot of trouble, a lot of dirty diapers. <laughs> but I want you to know, man, how, how do you express how much you love this guy? If I could give one thing to Red, I would, I would, I would want him to know how much I love him. I don't, I don't know how many times a day I say to him, you're the best, you're the best. I said, man, God loves you, man. I love you so much, Rhett. I'd probably say that a hundred times. I want him to always know how much I loved him. He may not ever remember anything I've given to him. It doesn't matter. If I could leave one thing to Rhett, I would want him to know that I loved him unconditionally. And I believe God wants us to know how much he loves us in the same way. So even though the world will tell Red a lot of things, and it may be a lot of judgment going on out here in the world, my love for him will never falter. My love, my unconditional love will always be there no matter what. Very, very important that we know that. And so last week in the 1050 service, if you weren't here, this was the only service I actually had him come up on stage. And so I just shamelessly stuck this in here. So the, the pictures are kind of blurred a little bit, but I just took them right off the live stream, just took a snapshot of them. But anyway, he came up. And again, you don't know, with, with children, you don't know what's going to happen. How many of you know that? And so I didn't know if he would look at you guys and cry or he'd look at me and cry. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know if he'd, you know, dump a load in his diaper while he was up. I didn't know. We didn't go over anything. We didn't rehearse it. It just happened. That's real life right there. That's real life. I shouldn't have probably said that. That's real life. You don't know. But y'all, Red is amazing because Red just, he, he, he's never stressed about the price of gas. He's never stressed about, you know, whether or not there's food in the pantry. I mean, I think he lives as though his parents and grandparents are rich. He'll just spit up his milk and he doesn't care. There's more milk. There's more milk. He never worries. I mean, isn't it amazing how children have such an amazing gift to believe and trust their parents? You know, it's no wonder when Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven, he compared it to a little child. You know, children have such a way of just innocence in life. They don't worry. They don't stress. And I want you to know, the more you get to know God, the more you will relax, the more that you will know that God has everything under control and that he loves you unconditionally. And when you discover that, it's just such an incredible gift. Talking to Gary Presley, and he's one of my heroes. I got to know Gary. Gary's about 80, 81 maybe, maybe 79, I'm not sure. But when he was 65 years old, Gary served God most of his life. He was a deacon for years and years and years. He got up at 4 o'clock to spend an hour with God for 20 years. I mean, you got to love God to get up an hour early and spend with God an hour. But he said to me, and all that time, he was performing, performing, performing. He was doing everything he can. But he said to me, there was something missing. And he said to God, after all those years of service, he's 65 years old. He said to God, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than this. 
because he felt an emptiness. He did, and then all of a sudden, I, and he can't even really describe it, but all of a sudden what he knew about God in his head went to his heart, that 18 inches from his head to his heart. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I can't, he said, I, he can't even describe it, but he said, all of a sudden, I knew God loved me, but all of a sudden it came to my heart and I experienced God's unconditional love. He said, it forever changed me. He said, I still get up early, still spend my hour, hour and a half with God. But he says, I spend most of my hour just saying to God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to tell you, if you were to ask 100 people, does God love you? You'd say, well, yeah, he has to, you know, theology-wise, he has to. But if you really know that you're unconditionally loved by God just as you are, just like Rhett doesn't have it all together, but I love him. God loves you unconditionally. And when you experience that, it will change your life. It really will. It will change your life when you go from your head knowledge to a heart experience and you literally know that everything God has belongs to you. He couldn't love you more. He absolutely could not love you more. I've been doing a lot of reading about life after life or life after death experiences. How many of you have ever heard some testimonies of people who died and had that after, uh, life after death or life after life experience? And so, and by the way, there are some bad ones if the elevator goes down, all right? So those, I, I like to read those who go up and they all have similar things. I mean, they see a tunnel, a light. Many of them, their body kind of comes up. They see their self literally coming out of their body and they can see everything in the room where they are. They can see their loved ones, see everything going on. And then they begin to experience the spirit realm. I want to share just one of those stories that just kind of caught my, my heart this week. It's a lady by the name of Anita. She was in a 30-hour coma. And during that coma, she literally, physically died and stepped into the spirit realm. Because death is not an end of life. Death is just merely your spirit stepping out of your earth suit. And so for a moment, she stepped out of her earth suit and got to experience the presence of God. And this is what she said. I didn't want to come back because it was so beautiful. It was just incredible because for the first time, all the pain was gone. All discomfort was gone. All the fear was gone. I just felt so incredible. I felt as though I was wrapped in this feeling of just love, unconditional love. Now she was just experiencing the unconditional love of God in a pure way. She was out of her earth suit. I just want to tell you, you're one breath away from experiencing the unconditional love of God in a real way. But if God's that way when we step out of our earth suit, what makes us believe he's not that way now? Isn't it crazy to think that in the spirit realm, you can already experience the unconditional love of God. You don't have to wait till you die. The Bible says with the spirit inside of us, he loves us unconditional. And when you begin to experience that, one day when you step out of your earth suit, you're going to say to those around you, I've been experiencing that for years. Woo, this is good stuff. God doesn't change when you step out of your earth suit. You know, I, I haven't read one account. I haven't read one account where people stepped to the other side and said, boy, God was so disappointed in me. God was so disappointed that I wasn't further along. Not one. When they step out of their earth suit into the presence of God, they experience unconditional love as they are. 
And I want you to know he loves you that way. He loves you unconditional. It's come to live inside of your earth suit right as you are, even though you're a work in progress. He loves you as you are and not as you should be. Because none of us are going to be as we should be on this side. And when you can experience that, it will change your life. There's something you just really can't explain. But when you experience the love of God, it literally, it's a lot easier to serve a God that loves you unconditional than to serve a God that you think is always ticked off at you. He loves you unconditionally. You know, our soul, this part of us that's a work in progress, again, what you think about is really important. Because if you see yourself as just kind of a loser, if you see yourself as a disappointment to God, it's going to affect your emotions. It's going to affect your decision-making. So what you think about is really, really important. And if your mind is on all the stuff the world's saying, if you see yourself like the world sees you as a disappointment, you're literally going to be emotionally a wreck. And you're going to live in stress. But if you begin to see yourself as unconditionally loved by God, you're going to be at ease. Just like old Red, he doesn't worry about anything. He doesn't even worry about politics. He doesn't stress over the election coming up. He just trusted. God wants us to trust him. God, I mean, we need to do our part, but we got to trust him. We got to learn to relax and enjoy the journey. So last week we talked about the battleground of the mind. Because literally your mind, there's an all-out battleground in your mind. And Satan knows if he can get you thinking not like God thinks, he's going to have you where he wants you. So you can be saved on your way to heaven and be totally stressed out, be all uptight because you don't experience that unconditional love. So he says here to the church at Corinth, I fear at least somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Paul was worried about the church at Corinth that their, their thinking would be attacked by the enemy. As we mentioned last week, Satan doesn't come look like this over here on the right. He doesn't come in red underwear and a pitchfork, but he often appears as an angel of light. That rascal appears to be something good, and he wants to spit a thought into your mind, and he wants to spit some thought that gets you to doubt God's love. You know, if someone were to whisper into Rhett's ear, your grandpa don't really love you. Not unless you perform. Your grandpa doesn't really love you unless you... I want to tell you, it wouldn't be true. And when Satan whispers something in your ear that goes against what the Bible says, you, you just can't believe it. And you got to be careful because Satan wants to throw those darts. And if he can get a dart landed in your mind and you begin to think something's true that isn't true, it will affect your emotions and it will affect your decision making. I'm amazed how many Christians have a poor self-image. Because you're seeing yourself from the outside in and not from the inside out. Because God loves you totally. God loves you unconditionally. And that's such a gift if you can receive that. That's why Paul went on to say, don't give place to the devil. Don't give the devil a place for that dart to land. Don't let that thought land in your mind. Because if you let that thought land in your mind, you begin to think and you're a disappointment to God. All of a sudden that will affect your emotions and it will affect your decision making. And you're really going to struggle in life. I'm amazed at how many Christians are just really struggling in the Christian life. Because again, they don't have the right concept of God. So when Satan throws those darts at us, we just don't receive them. We don't accept them. We just let them go by. 
That's why the Bible says take every thought captive. I mean, you literally got to take every thought, and if it's not from God, you just got to let it go on by. And so the Bible reminds us even Jesus was tempted when he walked this earth. So temptation's not a sin, but it's when we let them darts land in our mind and we begin to think about it, that's when Satan has us. So Satan's been at this a long time. He's going to always outsmart you and outthink you. That's why you got to always go by what the Bible says and receive that. So as we, as we ended last week, just kind of thinking about how do you know if you have some stinking thinking or how do you know if your mind is really on the things of God? Well, if you're here today and you see yourself in a right standing relationship with God, if you see yourself justified just as if you had never sinned, if you see yourself unconditionally loved, if you see yourself as an overcomer and a conqueror, you're thinking like God's thinking. That's how he sees you. He sees you unconditionally loved. But if you see yourself honestly as just an old sinner, if you see yourself as being defeated in life, if you see yourself as kind of a phony, you're saying one thing, but you know you're not that way on the inside, if you see yourself as a disappointment to God or never good enough, that's from the other side. I'm just telling you, a lot of people, if you get to thinking and listening to them, a lot of people have a very poor self-image of, of who they are. That's not how God sees you. God loves you unconditionally. Even though, yeah, you're a work in progress, but he loves you in the process. And if you wait till you get it all together to love God, you're never going to experience God's love on this side. But one breath away, when you step to the other side, boom, you're going to experience the unconditional love of God. And we're going to say to ourselves, why didn't I experience that when I was back there? Why did I believe all that garbage and just allow my life to struggle along when I could have been enjoying this all the time. So today we're going to talk about uh, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And so at the end of 2 Corinthians, this is the very last chapter, very last verse, Paul kind of gives a benediction to the church at Corinth, and he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, the love of God the Father, there's the Father, and then the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's interesting that he says to the church, May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. By the way, when Paul wrote his letters, he always started by saying grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Son, Jesus Christ. He always gave that. Almost every letter Paul wrote, he starts it by saying grace and peace from God the Father and from the Son. But he never says the Holy Spirit. The reason he didn't give a greeting from the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit was with him. The Holy Spirit lived inside of him. But he always begins by giving that, and he ends this by saying, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, and it's translated both fellowship and communion, communicate. And it's the same word used in the early church when it says they fellowship daily. Now, when you fellowship with someone, how many of you have ever been with someone that was really awkward to be around? I mean, you were with someone, you never knew what to talk about, you just, you just really felt awkward, the time went really slow, because it was just somebody, you just, it was very awkward. How many of you had that person? All right, don't look at anybody right now, all right, stay focused. But how many of you had that person that when you're with them, I mean, just, you just feel comfortable. I mean, you could burp and all of a sudden, it's, oh, that's cool, it's just him. I mean... You can go over to their house and go to the refrigerator, get food out, put your foot up on their, their coffee table, and know it's okay. You know, fellowship is two people that just really have a bond. 
I love the definition of fellowship that says two fellows in a ship. You know, when you're stuck out on a John boat, how many of you ever been out on a John boat? If you're stuck out on a John boat with somebody, if it's somebody you don't really fellowship with, it's a long day. But if you're out there with really a friend, a true friend, I mean, it's, it's fellowship. It's interacting, it's listening and talking and, and just enjoying each other. And even though I knew this verse, I've taught this verse, it was all of a sudden God saying, are you really fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit in your daily life? Do you get up every day? This week, every day I got up, I say, hey, Holy Spirit, let's fellowship today. Let's hang out. Let's laugh together, cry together. Let's just talk together and just enjoy the Holy Spirit. That word's very important. By the way, God, part of fellowship is learning to listen. I struggle with listening. I'm not a good listener, all right? How many of you, when, when somebody's sharing with me, oftentimes I want to give them an answer before they even share. I'm bad. I have that tendency to want to give a, a solution before I've actually heard everything. And early on in my ministry, I, I remember a gal was sharing with me, and I already had the answer. I knew it. And so before she was even done, as soon as she took a breath, I just interjected the answer. And she said to me, Pastor, you're not a good listener. You need to learn to listen. <laughs> I hate that. It's like the Holy Spirit saying, she's right. <laughs> Learning to listen is hard. I want to tell you, if you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, I have no doubt that you all pray to God. I want to say a big part of prayer is learning to listen. Learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know, in the Old Testament, God primarily spoke through the prophets, the Bible says. Now, he spoke other ways, but primarily through the prophets. And when the prophets spoke, they were hearing God's message. And in the Old Testament, because the sin was a problem, they, they feared the voice of God. They were afraid of the voice of God. Example I gave part of last week in Exodus 20 on Mount Sinai. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes. They trembled and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will hear. But don't let God speak to us, lest we die. They feared the voice of God in the Old Testament. Now, let me say that if you don't have a relationship with God, you're going to fear the voice of God. But I tell you, that, you know, the battle, what we call the battle of Armageddon is not really a battle at all. The Bible calls it the supper of the great God. But when Jesus comes back and, and Satan has gathered people to fight against the lamb, the Bible says he will destroy them from the sword that comes out of his mouth. I want to tell you the word of God to an unbelievable is something to be feared. You should fear the voice of God if you, if you don't know Jesus. But the voice of God is not to be feared by his children. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, as the writer of Hebrews says, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. When Jesus walked this earth, God in the flesh, everything he said was the message of God. Everything he did was the message of God. And so God no longer was speaking through prophets he was speaking through his son when he walked this earth. How many of you, I got this picture here, I put myself over there on the side. How many of you ever thought it would be cool to sit and listen to Jesus speak? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? I mean, to, to go out in the lobby and get his latest parables on DVD. That'd be pretty cool. Now again, sometimes they would sit for days. Can you imagine? I mean, before he fed the 4,000, I think they sat for three days with nothing to eat. Can you imagine sitting for three days 
Can you imagine coming to church on Sunday? Next thing you know, it's Tuesday and we're still here listening. I can't imagine that. But they would listen. Because when Jesus spoke, it was God speaking through his son. I mean, everything he said spoke life into people. And so I love how John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. I mean, Jesus was the Logos. He was the spoken Word. Not only what he said was the Word of God, but everything he did was God's message. In Mark chapter 3, when he went into the synagogue, there was a man with a withered hand, and he spoke to the man and said, stretch out your hand. See, there's a problem when a man has a withered hand, he can't stretch it out. But how many of you know when God speaks it, that which is impossible becomes possible? And the man stretched out his hand. When he was out on the storm at sea, and the disciples were all fearful, and they didn't need to be fearful because Jesus was on the boat with them, but they were fearful because they were seeing the storms, and Jesus got up and just simply said, peace be still, and there was calm. I want you to know when God speaks, it can bring healing. It can bring calm. I wonder how many of us today just need to hear God say, peace, be still. Just relax. I've got this. You know, the word of God is very comforting to those who know God. In in Luke chapter 11, as he was teaching, a lady hollered out, your mom is sure blessed. Moms know how blessed it is to be a mom. And some mother hollered out, some lady hollered out, your mom, Mary, is sure blessed. And I think she was blessed too to have Jesus. But listen to how Jesus responded. Jesus said more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He said, I'll tell you who's blessed are those who hear the word of God. You say, why do I get excited about getting to know the Holy Spirit on the inside? Because that's God speaking to us. God speaks life into us, encouragement. When you hear the voice of God, I believe it's always in unconditional love. Now, if you're disobedient, he's going to correct you, but it's always in love. It's always in love. It's always in unconditional love. In Mark chapter 4, the greatest chapter in the Bible on learning how to be a good listener. I need to memorize this chapter because he gives the story of the parable of the sower and the seed. Almost every time I've heard this parable, it's about witnessing. And it's, it's, a, it's a good parable about witnessing, but it's really a parable about listening. Because as he explains it, he says, whether the seed fell by the wayside or on stony ground or among thorns or on good soil, all the seed was good. Same seed. The difference wasn't the seed that went out, but the soil that received it. I want you to know the Word of God always produces life, but we have to learn to be a good listener, and we have to value God's Word, and we have to make sure that, again, we apply it, we hold on to it, and value it so it'll produce life. And then he goes on to make this promise right after this parable, to you who hear, more will be given. What a promise. If you learn to listen to the voice of God, if you learn to value the Word of God and apply it to your life, God promises to give you more. I don't know how many people say to me, Pastor, I, I want to go to the deeper thing. I want to learn more about God. And the, really the key is if you'll listen, if you'll be a good listener and apply what God is saying, he'll give you more. Why would God give you additional revelation if you're not obeying what he's already told you to do? So you've got to learn to be a good listener. In Revelation 1, as, as John saw the Lord on the island of Patmos, And this is the only really physical description of Jesus in the Bible. But again, it's in his resurrected, glorified state. And so I use this picture a lot. 
But he sees Jesus having seven stars in his right hand. And we know that as he explains, these seven stars are angels, are messengers, are pastors of the seven churches. And he sees Jesus in the middle of seven golden lampstands. So John hasn't seen the Lord for about 60 years since he ascended into heaven. And when he sees him about 60 years later, he sees Jesus standing in the middle of these local churches with the pastors in his right hand. Jesus cares about the local church. I just want to tell you that. Whether they were doing good or bad, he cares about each church. And so he sends a letter to each of the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. And so he has a message for these churches. Again, whether they were doing good, doing bad. But he always ends each letter this way. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the pastor is saying to the church. That's not what it says. He that has an ear to hear, I want you to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. When Jesus walked this earth, he spoke through the Son. But I want you to tell you, for the last 2,000 years, God has been speaking through his Spirit. He who has ears to hear, I want you to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I like how the Amplified Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit is saying. God wants us to learn to hear and to heed what the Spirit is saying. Just a reminder, before Jesus left, he reminded us the Holy Spirit was going to be our teacher, our guide, how important it was to learn to listen. He said the Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. He will teach you all things. He will testify to you about Jesus. He will guide you into all truth. He will tell you of things to come, and he will repeat what he hears Jesus saying. He reminded us over and over how important it was to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. So people say to me, Pastor, why do you spend so much time talking about the Holy Spirit? Because he's the part of God that lives with us. He's the part of God that he wants to speak to us. He, we're supposed to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you four quick tips on being a good listener. Number one, write down what God is saying. If you don't write it down, it's easy to forget what God is saying to you. So always write it down. Number two, tell others what God is saying to you. The more you repeat something, the more you're going to remember it. So I want to encourage you to share what it is that God is sharing with you. Number three, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. The more you do something, again, the more you're going to remember it. And finally, to value what God is saying. I want you to know that if you're willing to value the Word of God, God will trust you with His Word. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He said, don't give what is holy to dogs and don't cast your pearls before swine. What in the heck was he talking about on the Mount, uh, Sermon on the Mount when he said, don't give what is holy to dogs, don't cast your pearls before swine. How many of you have a dog you love? All right, a lot of hands. Let's say you really love your dog, and this year at Christmas you're going to get him a Cadillac Bible, has all the words of Jesus in red, has the atlas, has the concordance. I mean, even has Holy Bible on the front. It's genuine leather. What would your dog do if you gave him a Cadillac Bible? All right, almost in unison, eat it. All right, eat it, sleep on it, wet on it, chew it up. He would not value it. And if you gave a string of pearls to a pig, they're going to go waller in the mud. They're not going to appreciate a string of pearls. What was Jesus saying when he said, don't give what is holy to dogs, don't cast your pearls before swine? He's not saying not to witness to lost people because we're supposed to. But I think what he's saying is, if you're going to invest your life with someone, make sure they value the word of God. 
Don't spend a lot of time teaching people that really aren't good listeners. Don't spend a lot of time giving something holy to people who do not value it. And by the way, if Jesus told his disciples not to do that, you would assume he's not going to do that. And I remember when I was a young pastor, God said to me, when I was looking over this verse, God said to me, Roger, you're the swine and you're the dog. That was hard. I said, well, God, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a Baptist. He said, you're a swine Baptist. And I felt like God say to me as a young pastor, there's so many things I want to give you, but you don't really value it. There's so many things I want to give you, but you just don't really value. And here's the key to growing spiritually. If you will value and honor what God has given you, he will give you additional revelation. So we have to, every day you have your quiet time. Would you just say to God, God, I don't want to be like a dog. I don't want to be like a swine. God, if you'll, if you'll be honest enough to give me something of value, I'll hold on to it and apply it to my life. So I want to close with this. Eight people at church. How many of you know that everybody that comes to church may not be a Christian? It's possible. It's possible people may be coming because they're doing their duty. I, first of all, I appreciate everybody here, but it is possible you could come to church and not be a Christian. Let's say that of these eight, five are believers. Now, again, on the outside, they may all look good. They may all carry Bibles. They may all come to church. But the only difference between a believer and an unbeliever is a believer has received the Lord, has the Holy Spirit living in their life. But let's look at the five who are Christians. Is it possible that we could be a Christian and walking after the flesh and not really believing what God has said and not walking in the Spirit? It's certainly possible. That's why the Bible calls a carnal Christian. It's someone who's a believer, but they're letting the world control their thought life and they're not believing like God believes. So let's say of the five who are believers, three of them are Spirit-filled. They're literally letting the Spirit of God flow through their life. They're experiencing the unconditional love of God. Today in this room, all of us fit in one of these categories. We're either someone who has never truly invited Christ into our life, and even though you're at church, man, and I, I mean, I appreciate you being here. I just want you to know your name may be on a church roll somewhere, but if it's not on the Lamb's book of life, you're in big trouble. So first of all, I would say to everyone here, don't leave today without knowing that you know that you know Jesus. Second of all, I'd say for Christians, I want to ask you, can you honestly say that you're filled with the Spirit of God, that you're allowing the Spirit to flow through your life, that you're really in fellowship with the Holy Spirit? I want to encourage you this week to have the time of your life with the Holy Spirit, to really begin every day to say, Holy Spirit, let's just fellowship today. And when you lay your head down at night to say, didn't we have a great time today? Man, that was an amazing day. So laugh together, cry together, share your heart, but also receive what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Let's stand together. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure, if you were to step into eternity today, which way you would go? I can't imagine anybody living one day without knowing that you know that you know Jesus. And if you're not sure and you know that your sin has separated you from God, I hope right where you are, you'll take a moment and just acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. 
to truly ask him to forgive you and to come into your life. And I believe he will honor that. I believe today could be the greatest day of your life if today you truly surrender your life to God. But I want to say to some Christians, as Gary said to me, there may be many Christians here today saying to yourself, is this all there is? You've been doing the right things. You've been going to church. You've been reading your Bible. But you're just really struggling believing that God loves you unconditionally. My prayer is that not one believer would leave here today without experiencing the unconditional love of God. You're going to experience it when you step over to the other side, but I believe God wants you to experience it now. Would you just right where you are, just confess, it's not about performance, it's not about getting it all together. Would you just receive and picture yourself laying on the shoulder of God? He loves you unconditionally as you are. So let's take a minute as the instruments play softly. If you need to slip out and come, or just right where you are, just to make a commitment to God. Maybe you're visiting and this is where the Lord is leading you to plug in. We invite you to come. We'll be in the back. If anybody would like to talk, we would be happy to stick around and pray with anybody. I hope you guys have an amazing week. I hope the Holy Spirit becomes a dear friend. I hope you find yourself enjoying hanging out with the Holy Spirit. Somebody said to me after the middle service, Pastor, when we get done with this series, can we start over? I said, no, we're not going to do that. But I hope your journey with the Holy Spirit gets better and better. And I hope you can say what Gary said. I can't even explain it. But I hope that you don't just know that God loves you, but I hope you experience the unconditional love of God. It's an incredible gift. Let's pray, and then we're going to go out with a song. On the way out, again, there's a wooden box in the back. If you want to give to the dollar offering for the coats, 100% of it will go to buy coats for local schools. And then again, if you have a coat or a hoodie you'd like to donate, we would love to have those as well. Those will go to the homeless in the area. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here today. And God, I pray that we would just enjoy you in our daily life that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with every one of your children, that we can laugh together, cry together, just to enjoy this crazy journey of life. So I speak peace and blessing on each one that's here. Father, may that river of living water spill out everywhere we go this week and make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.